Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Nephi Breaks His Bow Welcome to another episode of Sister Scriptorians. Wow, we just finished another fantastic general conference. So much to digest. And I feel, I feel the direction and expectation that the Lord has communicated to us, His daughters, regarding our families, regarding our ministering relationships, and also regarding our part in the gathering of Israel. These are exciting times, and we have been asked to participate in and do great things, and I'm excited. I hope you, like me, are feeling supported and prepared through this podcast to rise to the Lord's call, that you are developing a more intimate understanding with your Heavenly Father and with your Savior, Jesus Christ, that you're recognizing your potential, that by the way, Heavenly Father has never doubted. And that by us slowly focusing on principles found in the Book of Mormon, that you're feeling more confident in not only your knowledge, but your testimony of Jesus Christ. We left off last week with the command Lehi was given by the Lord to leave the Valley of Lemuel. The ball or the director had been placed outside of Lehi's tent door and the family was sent into action. They gathered up their tents and their provisions that the Lord had given them, and they took seed of every kind, and they were off, traveling in a south-southeast direction. After four days, they pitched their tents, hunted for food, and then they moved on. All the while, the directions of the Baal, or the Liahona, led them to travel in fertile parts of the wilderness along the borders of the Red Sea. Nephi indicates that they traveled many days, slaying food as they went using bows, arrows, stones, and slings. All in all, things sound like that they're progressing. Despite the difficulties of living a caravan life, it appears that the family's bodily needs for nourishment are being cared for by the Lord. After many days of more travel, rest and food were needed, and the family pitched their tents. And once again, the men went out to obtain food. But this time, things don't go so well. Nephi's bow made of fine steel and obviously valuable breaks. And this circumstance must have been devastating for the travelers. Laman and Lemuel are angry with him, despite the fact that their own bows had also lost their spring. The family is hungry and the men were unable to obtain food. Tired and hungry families do not equal happy and patient families. And Nephi writes that they suffered much for the want of food and because of their fatigue. Remember, this is a difficult journey that they're on. And these must have been difficult moments. And the murmuring of Laman, Lemuel, and the sons of Ishmael did not help. It didn't improve their circumstances. And as a side note, have you noticed that murmuring has never improved a situation of yours? In the moment, we think we're solving things, that we are saying things that just need to be said. 
But if I am truly honest with myself, it has never, never been my murmurings that has brought me out of difficulty. And since we are being honest with ourselves, when I have murmured, I realize now that I was seeking comfort, which I never fully achieved while murmuring. Nephi writes that they murmured exceedingly because of their sufferings and their afflictions in the wilderness. My imagination is empathetic to the bodily sensations that must have overcome Lehi's travelers. Um, This went far beyond the hangries. They must have suffered because we now have someone murmuring who hasn't murmured before. Lehi. And that can't be a good thing. He too murmured against the Lord his God. And Nephi writes that they were exceedingly sorrowful. Which leads me to think hope must have been lost in their desperation and fear must have trumped faith at this moment as their limbs probably hurt, their stomachs cramped, heads felt dizzy with lack of nourishment. And if Lehi was murmuring, there must have been some fear that they had been forsaken. And I don't mean to be dramatic, but it's the explanation that comes to my mind as to why, after all of this time and plenty of previous opportunities, now is when Lehi is in despair. I can only assume that seeing this stalwart patriarch struggle gave flame to the afflictions Nephi experienced from his brothers for the loss of his bow. That at this time, it probably went far beyond complaining. And as we have seen in the past, the violent tendencies that Laman and Lemuel possess are concerning. But Nephi, wonderful, valiant Nephi, stays clear-minded throughout all of this. He speaks much to his brethren because of the hardness of their hearts and their complaining against the Lord. And what does that complaining probably sound like? Why has the Lord done this to us? Even the Lord can't provide for us. He promised to lead us. There is no God leading us to the promised land. After all we have done and given up, the Lord has abandoned us in the middle of a desert. The scriptures don't record their particular complaints, but as a way of keeping ourselves in check during our afflictions, take a moment to consider what murmuring against the Lord may sound like, even from your own lips. Hunger and anger, despair, murmuring, hopelessness, fear are all swirling around their tents and reading between the lines, it appears that everyone is without a solution except Nephi. And truly, I think Nephi is pretty close to a superhero. Nephi goes and he makes a bow out of wood and arrows out of straight sticks. And along with these creations, he brought with him a sling and some stones, and he approached his father and asked, Whither shall I go to obtain food? And Lehi inquires of the Lord after humbling himself because of Nephi's words. The voice of the Lord came to Lehi and chastised him for murmuring, which brought Lehi into the depths of sorrow. And the Lord told him to look at the ball and behold the things which were written upon it. And Nephi doesn't record what was said, but it wasn't good. 
And it caused Lehi along with Laman and Lemuel and the sons of Ishmael to fear and to tremble exceedingly. But again, you see the Lord give this family the tender mercy of space to regroup, to repent, and to recommit to the Lord and his commandments. Once the family gave faith, diligence, and heed to the ball, Nephi received direction where to go. And that was to the top of a mountain where he slayed wild beasts and obtained food. This time, Nephi was able to return to the tents of his family and he brought nourishment and they were humbled and they experienced great joy and gave thanks. There is so much here that I want to touch on. This is more than a story telling us that Nephi broke his bow. This week, I want to highlight and liken the story of Nephi's broken bow to our thoughts, feelings, actions, and results, and how magnificently we are in control of such things. It blows my mind, really. Though I have made great improvements in this area to the point of preparing to teach others how, I still feel infantile compared to the talent and ability of Nephi to stay firm and clear-minded. First thing I want to point out is that this section of scripture is such a great example that there is opposition in all things. Are you getting tired of me saying that? Well, buckle up. I'm going to still say it. The family had benefited from fantastic guidance from the Lord. They were told when to leave. They received a compass to direct their paths. This compass was leading them in the fertile parts of the wilderness where they were able to obtain food and progress. They had tools such as bows and arrows and slings and stones that aided them in providing for their families. Now, I'm not saying that this journey was convenient or even pleasurable. But all this while, they were able to progress and that had to feel good. I'm sure they were tired and that they were forced to do things that they never wanted to do. But they were being guided and that does bring a confidence that has the ability to settle one's heart when we allow it to. But because there is opposition in all things, we can expect an evening out of our circumstances. Where much is given, much is then expected. That there is opposition in all things, I believe, is an understated principle, too easily overlooked. And that once we truly accept it, we can take a sigh of relief. We can take steps forward. We can let go of a lot of fear and feelings of unworthiness and accept that everything is happening as it should happen. When the pendulum appears to swing back and we experience opposition, we must keep our minds clear and firm. Afflictions do not mean that the Lord doesn't love you. Oh no. Or that he is necessarily displeased with you. I mean, yes, afflictions should cause us to self-check, to see if we have violated the Lord's commandments or just not used our agency wisely, giving us an opportunity to course correct. But often, afflictions are just the lab work of mortality 
to put into practice the lessons we've learned, to fall back on our understanding of the Lord's workings. They are our opportunities to choose Him. We must experience, in a variety of ways, opportunities to choose to believe Him and in Him. Second, this section of Scripture shows us how to direct and harmonize our thoughts, feelings, and therefore our actions with our Savior Jesus Christ and His gospel. Attitude is everything isn't just a catchy platitude. We can observe through Nephi how success is obtained when we choose to rely on Christ-like attributes such as temperance, patience, and brotherly kindness, just to name a few. You know, it's easy to have a good attitude when everything is going well, when you're being led in the fertile parts of your particular wilderness, when you can easily feel the Spirit and see the Lord's guiding influence. But through the story of Nephi breaking his bow, we learn how negative self-talk, murmuring, and anger don't get us to where we ultimately desire to be. We aren't elevated out of our circumstances because we are angry about it. Because for those of us who are human, (laughs) we have this thing called a brain and it requires management. The lower part of our brain, or our primitive brain, is quick to respond with emotion, such as anger. It's our frontal cortex that is responsible for problem-solving, judgment, and impulse control. I love how that even within us, there is opposition in all things. A choice to be made. Which one are you going to listen to? And especially in tense moments, we must wait for that frontal cortex to catch up because the primitive brain is quick with knee-jerk reactions. It's reactive. But learning to tap into that frontal cortex, however, allows us to put into practice the Christ-like attributes and wisdom that we ultimately want to show forth. And you know, even after all that we know about Laman and Lemuel, it is still curious to me how angry they got with Nephi for the loss of his bow, even when their bows were already determined rather useless. Why wasn't there a shared collective sense of responsibility? Why a blame and shame approach? Laman and Lemuel's reactions show how immature they were at accessing that elevated part within them. And you know, sometimes I show immaturity as I react or act like a victim. In moments like these, which I recognize a little layman and Lemuel within me, and you know, feel free to see it in yourself. (laughs) I feel more reactive and irrational than intentional and sensible. And it's in these moments that we must learn the art of the pause. Slow motion down and thinking down, if you will. Perhaps even halt an activity while I allow everything to catch up and settle in my mind. On the outside, that may look like me looking at my teenager a little bewildered, but that is okay with me. Slow and steady is a good catchphrase for what our brains need to do so that we can be good stewards over them. Recognize that anger that might rise up in you. Be an observer of it for a few seconds. What thoughts am I having that are bringing up these feelings? Are they true? 
Do I want to act on their behalf? Is there perhaps another way? All of these are really good questions to ask yourself to allow your frontal cortex time to catch up and serve you. Slow and steady gave Nephi time to know who to turn to, who to listen to, and how to respond even when he was just as hungry and just as concerned as the rest of his family. Notice the whole blame and shame thing that Laman and Lemuel have going on here. Notice how they brought the sons of Ishmael in as backup for their feelings, just added layers to an already difficult situation, compounding and complicating it. Are we guilty of doing that when we're in despair? The Adjusting to Missionary Life resource book counsels us to resist the tendency to blame or shame others or yourself. Instead of reacting, figure out what the problem is and ask the other person for help in fixing it, regardless of whose fault it is. And wouldn't that have been so helpful in this crisis in the scriptures? That would have at least given them four additional men putting their minds together to figure out a solution. Synergy could have been created to solve the problem. Perhaps the Liahona could have worked and given them or helped them come up with solutions. What time and resources do we waste when we wallow in shame and blame instead of getting proactive? And that leads us to our next point, and that is how useless worrying truly is. As a person who is desperately trying to overcome worrying, call it risk management or risk assessment or compassionate caring, worrying is an exhausting practice that feels like you are busily engaged, yet there is no healthy fruit grown from your efforts. None. Worrying is future-based. And what would life be like if we walked with our heads held high, confident that when the time comes and a crisis arises, we will know how to handle it? Isn't that the mindset that we should have in a crisis moment? Not befuddled with worry, but clear-minded, ready to take it as it comes. Again, referring to the Adjusting to Missionary Life resource book, it says, Worrying can be a way of mentally practicing failure. That is so good, isn't it? Let me repeat that. Worrying can be a way of mentally practicing failure. It goes on to say that instead of rehearsing what can go wrong or constantly worrying about what if, mentally practice positive outcomes and then make plans to achieve them. Then, if things don't work out as you hope, imagine yourself learning from the setback and going forward. This, this is what I am personally practicing. I invite you to join me. I figure I am a daughter of the supreme God and creator. Therefore, I've got some creator in me. I can create worry or I can create hope. I could grieve over unsatisfactory circumstances, which my family isn't immune to. Or I can be available for help from the creator. And it's my choice. But I love the hope that this way of thinking brings to me. I love how it literally fulfills 
his words when he says, I will lighten your load because worrying feels so heavy on my shoulders. The next thing we learn from this story takes me to what is incredible about Nephi, and that is his ingenuity. Ingenuity is the quality of being clever, original, and inventive. It is use of your imagination, insight, perception, intuition, inspiration, talent, and skill. He didn't get caught up in the brain loop of, my steel bow is broken, we can't obtain food, how can we survive? Instead, he used his thoughts, feelings, and actions to go and create something. Now, I'm thinking this may not have been one of his talents necessarily, since the family didn't have this as their automatic go-to plan. But Nephi did something to move towards action. And without YouTube, he made something with the Lord's help, I'm sure. Didn't he worry he would fail? How many times have you and I stopped ourselves from doing what we have never done before because we were afraid of failing? We were afraid it wouldn't work. We were afraid of looking stupid to others. We were afraid that our failed efforts will be evidence of our ineptness. But listen to the definition of failure. Failure is the omission of expected or required action. Failure isn't about the quality of our result, which is usually how we qualify it or measure it. Failure is about our lack of action. How many of us have had an idea, a prompting, and we have not taken action because we were afraid of failure? We were afraid it might not turn out great. We feared that we may be clumsy at it, so we talk ourselves out of it and no action is taken. Yet by definition, by not taking action, we have already failed. Failure isn't the measurement of our result. As long as Nephi took action, he couldn't fail. And that is so cool. The others who withheld their actions were failing. We may not achieve our expected or our desired result. But as long as we are taking action, we are not failing. What a fantastic outlook to have the next time you and I encounter affliction. And here is another gem from the Adjusting to Missionary Life resource book that can help us take action like Nephi and not be stuck like Laman and Lemuel. Listen to the spirit, not negativity. If you are having thoughts that are belittling, mocking, angry, sarcastic, murmuring, critical, or name-calling, they are not from the Lord. Shut them out. Another gem from the resource book. Realize that everything you do can't be above average. What? That's awesome. Do you think the bow that Nephi made was above average? Sometimes we need to just practice good enough and then ask for the Lord and His grace or His enabling power to strengthen our efforts to get the job done. And I believe this is exactly the mindset and action that Nephi took. Nephi's choice to not get swallowed up in despair, but to remain solution-focused enabled him to do more than just create a rudimentary tool to obtain food. His actions were a return to God. 
He helped his family return to God and give faith, diligence, and heed to the Liahona so it could give them direction. He did this through his words, through his steadiness, through his actions of making a bow and some arrows. His solution was a return to God as he approached his father, the prophet, and sought guidance as to where he should go to obtain food. Nephi, at this point, he could have been disgruntled and decided to leave the murmurers in the dust while he went and found food for himself and his family. But that is not what his plan was. He turned to his father. He turned to the prophet. And this action permitted everything to be set back into its rightful place. Father Lehi humbled himself and repented and stepped back into his role as a leader, protector, and prophet of this clan. By seeking guidance from his father, honoring his father, even when his father was struggling, allowed order to be restored to the family. That is something to consider in our own family dynamics. And finally, his solution was a return to God as hearts were softened, turned back to the Lord. The Liahona began giving instructions and direction again. The family was blessed with food and they were able to give thanks and their hearts were filled with joy again. The Lord was bestowing upon them his tender mercies once more. And these are the feelings that God desires his children to be filled with even in the middle of their wildernesses. This is the pattern that we can follow to qualify ourselves for his help even in our most despairing times. Pardon me. That really hits close to home. Some of you, like me, might be thinking, how? How can I develop the faith and the character that Nephi possessed? How can I develop the faith and character that will help me to weather opposition? Help me choose my responses. Help me tap into my ingenuity and be solution-focused. Help me avoid failure by propelling me to take action and help me set everything back in its rightful place because my sights are always on returning to God. Elder Richard G. Scott said, Faith and character are intimately related. Faith in the power of obedience to the commandments of God will forge strength of character available to you in times of urgent need. He goes on to say such character is not developed in moments of great challenge or temptations. That is when it's intended to be used. Your exercise of faith in true principles builds character. Fortified character expands your capacity to exercise more faith. As a result, your capacity and confidence to conquer the trials of life is enhanced. The more your character is fortified, the more enabled you are to benefit from exercising the power of faith. You will discover how faith and character interact to strengthen one another. Characters woven patiently from threads of applied principles, doctrines, and obedience. End quote. 
That is exactly what we are trying to do here at Sister Scriptorians. As we study and apply the principles and doctrines we find in the scriptures and try to increase our obedience to them, I recommend studying Elder Scott's entire talk. For tactile people like me, this is definitely a printed out and highlight all over it type of talk. I'll have a link for it in the show notes for this episode and also on sisterscriptorians.com. Sister Scriptorians, this week, study the faithful responses of Nephi. Prepare your faith and character to have it align with the guidance that Nephi provides for us so that when opposition comes, and it will, you will be prepared with a firm mind, which is in tune with the Spirit of the Lord, to take ingenious action because you now know you only fail when you don't try. Have a good day.